0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Camper Kings. When you have the freedom to choose, where will you go? Hiring a campervan from Camper Kings means you've just bought a ticket to adventure. Camper Kings offer a stunning range of quirky campervans and luxury motorhomes with modern and stylish features, providing you with a safe staycation escape. Adventure awaits at camperkings.co.uk and you can follow them on Instagram at camperkings underscore UK. For Across the Park listeners only, there's a free bottle of champagne and free insurance when you quote Across the Park.
1: Welcome to Across the Park podcast, a football podcast on both Everton and Liverpool Football Club, hosted and produced by a group of friends from both sides of the park. We pride ourselves in bringing you the very best conversation from the ongoing matters at both clubs, provide banter and debate. We also release regular specials with guests connected to both clubs, providing insight and interviews never heard before. The back catalogue of these shows is available on our website, acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to hit subscribe to Across the Park Podcast on your favourite listening app, and please give us a follow on our social media. Head over to Instagram or Twitter and search at AcrosstheparkPC or Facebook, search Across the Park. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show.
0: Hello everyone, welcome to Across the Park podcast, it's our summer edition podcast too, so as many of our regular listeners will have noticed, we've had quite a few extras out over the summer, and uh, what we decided to do was have a couple of regular podcasts, if you will, we're calling summer podcasts, just just to fill in some of the gaps and just to catch up on any of the news. It's myself, Gary Judge, and Teddy McGivin. Myself representing the blues, obviously Terry representing the Reds. and um, we're gonna start by um looking at the the fallout of the, the the two international tournaments or the two significant ones that took place. Obviously most notably the Euros, um England falling at the very last hurdle in the the toughest possible way. Um obviously we're not we're not gonna be dissecting that the whole tournament from England's perspective. We're gonna be looking more notably, I suppose, at the the Everton and Liverpool players that were involved, but just as a football fan, first and foremost, say how, how did you find the Euros in general? Yeah, it's it, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I,
2: don't, I haven't made a seat here on this podcast of not generally being a fan of international football, you know, throughout the season and, and, and stuff, the way it disrupts the you know the flow of the season. And Liverpool have been cursed a little bit with injuries in terms of international football in the past. So, you know, going into the tournament and stuff, I'm, 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 I'm not one of them who's like sort of a, a massive England fan or anything, but. As the tournament progresses and obviously as they get, you know, a bit you know, it, it starts looking like they might actually get the fans and stuff, you can't help but not sort of, you know, sort of tune in a little bit more. Um certainly obviously wanted them to win the tournament. Um but, you know, as as you say, it was it, it, it was, you know, desperately unlucky really in, in terms of how they've ended up losing it on, on, on penalties in the manner that they did. Um so yeah, it's it, it's one of them really it's it, you know, the Euros in general for me has been it's been good to have football back in front of crowds. I think it makes yeah. such a difference, you know, in terms of I I will be honest, though, I think I've said this on the pod as well. I, I was tuning out a little bit, you know, in terms of them last season where in front of the empty stands and stuff, it just didn't feel like football to me. Um just just wasn't right. So to have some some be able to watch some games in front of in front of fans has definitely been you know a, a big improvement and it it it's sort of whetted the appetite for the coming season a little bit more. But in terms of you know England's England's progress, it's it's one of them and you know and it, it it's hard on them that they never won it. Um, and I know a lot of a lot of um people sort of got big behind them and stuff. It it wasn't like that for me. I just you know I was just a sort of interested observer. Really hopeful. Hope, I did hope they'd win, but. You know, I wasn't wasn't like sort of heartbroken or anything. Um, but what, what what did you I, think?
0: I really got into the Euros. Not not particularly as a as an average English supporter. I was I was massively behind them in the final. Um, I'd, I wouldn't say got caught up in the hype, but I was definitely really up for the final. I'd like I'd, I'd watched more intently. I think from the knockout stage. I think in the group, it was a bit of both the performances and and the results were a little bit underwhelming. The Scotland game in particular. I went out yeah. and watched that because. England, Scotland, and it? it's like yeah, yeah. you know, I grew up on those games and and them games being a bit more lively and whatever. That was very underwhelming. When it got to the knockout stages, it did get interesting because I think it just gets interesting in general when it comes to any tournament when you've got that potential of penalties and and it really does become a a bit of a psychological battle and and you know, spoke to a certain extent a, a tactical battle of which teams are prepared and and how you set up your penalty takers and who them penalty takers are going to be and. And always did supri- not surprising, but kind of just it baffles me how you you know you get strikers who don't take don't take pens, or you get superstars who just go to bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we obviously seen that in in, in, in England's case, um, we we've got I suppose touch on it that it, it brought it brought out some of the darker sides of 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 um of supporters against in from, from the racism standpoint and you know, it goes without saying, We're, you know, it's, it's from, from our, from our, our, perspective in the podcast, we, we don't condone any type of interaction, interaction in that way, whether it be on social media or face-to-face, I think the, if you like, if you call it the face-to-face racism, I think is being, I know people might argue against this, but I, I, I think it's, it's it's long gone you get the odd person who shouts a remark but you got you get more people who will kind of confront those people yeah it yeah, gets called out yeah, yeah that, that definitely happens um on social media they're just cowards aren't they you know sitting behind a not even a keyboard because they probably can't even afford a keyboard or, they, or they, Some... they wouldn't have to wouldn't have the mouse to to use a keyboard
2: yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know i think we talked about it haven't we on, on the podcast in the past like how social media just sort of the 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 norms that you as you say that face to face exist just don't exist for people they feel like they they can say whatever they want because it's a virtual sort of setting and it's it, it's absolutely you know it's tragic really when you
0: look at some of the individual cases as well which have obviously been highlighted in the media people who are in high profile jobs yeah. and have got public profiles and think they can say things like that what what like what goes through people's minds I mean I I, I work in an education setting that's my day to day job and and we now do like social media training with our staff. Uh, but also with our students, to kind of let them know that, look, you, you, everything you say is in the public domain, yeah. you know, unless unless you're really, you know, really careful about that type of thing. But regardless, it can never be really fully erased. Even if you delete a tweets some you know, it can be found or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. And people are clever enough these days that if you do say something silly, as we you find in our up. WhatsApp groups, even yeah. if it's a stupid th- comment about a sign or whatever, people will screenshot it and keep it for a later date. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, these people—I I just can't. Not only from from the, the terrible racism side, it, but just general common sense of—do you really think that, that that one it's acceptable and two that you're going to get away with it and it's not going to have any repercussions in but, the real world? But th- this is it. You know, it's it. it th- there's two sides
2: of it, isn't it? There's the. Anonymous accounts that basically, you know, the faceless ones where people almost like alter egos, it's -hmm. it's like the thing that they would never say in real life, you know, day to day. It's like they're allowed to sort of let their inner demons go, you Mm -hmm. know, through this anonymous account and stuff, which is, you know, why there's a lot of people calling for like ID, you know, for social media Mm -hmm. and stuff, so that people are held accountable for things that just aren't acceptable. Then there's the other side, as you say, of, you know, people who just seem like utter thick planks, you know, in terms of they're actually doing it on, as you say, on their actual. main profile in their own name and you know in both both cases it's unacceptable and uh, and as you say I just uh, I, I can't understand the mentality of someone who, who basically you know I, I, what I don't care about the whole like sort of you know b- what's happened is how were all them England fans so behind that team on the way there and then obviously, you know, all right, you know, they never won it. But how can you turn so viciously, you know, mm-hmm. on, on young lads who who you've basically built up along the way and fettered along the way that's that's the side of things that I don't get uh, amongst fan bases, you know, even, we probably got them in Liverpool's fan base and, you know, you have them in, in your fan base and every club does, but how can you vilify players who you basically support? Let, let's be
0: honest, it's the same people, and again, I'm not generalising here, but it, it's the same people that will be hugging the mate one minute and then the mate will knock the pint over and they'll bottle them, do you know what I mean? It's, it's just, like, that type of behaviour goes on in town, doesn't it? And, and everyone who's listened to this will know what I mean, those those types of mindless idiots and I'm probably... The same people that are that are you know coaxed up to their eyeballs as well when they're doing it, and they probably woke up the next day going, "Oh my god!" Yeah, done it, that, but
2: it's just but it's just not. I, I don't know why it just attracts. That that you know why football seems to have that really dark sort of underbelly. You know, mm-hmm. like you don't see it in other sports, and I just don't no. understand why football. It seems to you know football supporters. It just seems to have this really, really, as I say, dark sort of mentality that comes out in 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 defeat you know it's like you don't see it in rugby you don't see it in any other in, no. in, in any other sports really you know you, I, I, I don't know it's it, and it just it, it really shames the you know the sport and the wider fan base because obviously you know the media get all the, like the, the minority idea to who, who basically do it and then the entire sport you know and the the entire fan base of the sport is basically you know put in the same but Bracket of oh football supporters are thick knuckle dragon racists. You know it's mm. just like it. You know it. It, it should you shouldn't jump to that conclusion. But at the same time, it's like at what point are people actually gonna you know be held accountable? You know, and it, it 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 it's it's a really really tough situation. And you know I really feel for them them young lads. You know as I say I'm not I'm not the biggest England fan, and you know what he wasn't gonna ruin my day the next day that they didn't win it or whatever, but. For them young lads, you know, you did. I did feel sorry for them. You know, to to just step up and take them penalties. You know, Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford, and, and Saka. You know, to, to, to step up there and take them pens in that pressure situation. Liverpool England's first final since 1966 is major major. Oh. You know, pressure and, and and they stood stood up there and 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 you know took the pens and or right, it didn't it didn't play out. But you, you can't you can't knock them. You can't. You can't smash them down with the venom that that some of them fans did
0: well obviously it, w- it was great to see the um supposed the, the 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 public fighting back and 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 support and getting behind those players' cause, you know the vast majority of the public were were outraged by those comments both the both fans and and players and and, and everyone I suppose associated with with football in in a positive manner. You know, that was great to see all of the, the publicity around the, the mural that Marcus Rashford's mm. got in Manchester, thousands of people turning up to to kind of show their support. But going to the football side of it, because um, I want to try and get away from the cultural debate because that's mm. not really our place to do it on this. How would you feel as a Liverpool fan, and this is flipping it because you've obviously said a few times you're not bothered about England. How would you feel as a Liverpool fan if Jürgen Klopp, in extra time going into a penalty shootout, bought two, you know... Rashford isn't 19, was he 21 or something like that? But a 21-year-old, 19-year-old off the bench to take penalties in a penalty shootout and and decides against using more experienced players. Before you answer that question, I want to give you a stat that I heard the other day. The chances of a player scoring a penalty who comes off the bench versus a player who's been on for the full game and extra time increases by 7%. So it goes from 78% the chance of a player scoring a penalty shootout. This is historical data throughout you know time at elite mm. level. goes from 78% to 85%. So you know you could obviously imagine that Southgate has got access to that and he's factored that into his decision. But going back to my previous question, a 21-year-old and a 19-year-old coming off the bench, Rashford hadn't kicked a ball in the whole tournament, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Hadn't came on at all. And Jaden Sancho had started one game.
2: Yeah, I'm, I, th- I think if if it was me, you know, I'm looking at. I think he got it wrong, Southgate. In all honesty, um, if it was Jurgen Klopp, I'd be I'd be pretty disappointed in 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 the way that you know he made that tactical call. I take what you point, what you're saying there about the statistical elements of you know coming off the bench statistically, you've got a better chance of scoring. But for me, I like you know I haven't played football to any sort of level. But when I have played football, when you're coming on as a sub you feel a weight of expectation because you feel like everyone else is in the game and you're sort of like not even warmed up to the mm. game. Do you know what I mean? It's like you're coming on and you're thinking, oh, I, 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 you sort even of- in the atmosphere. Yeah, like, you want to get your touch in. You know, you, you just sort of want to settle a little bit, don't mm. you? And and, and it, it's, it's not the same when you're already in the game. You're fired up, your adrenaline's pumping. You know, you've, you've got over that sort of thing it's not a question of tiredness or fatigue when you're taking a penalty. No. It's all about who wants it more and who wants it, you know, the most I think and, and, and the confidence to, to step up and take one. And I think Southgate's got it wrong. And, I, I, you know, I do think there's a psychological problem with England and I, I, I'm not sure you're going to get over it in terms of yeah. who's the best in training at taking pens and all that because mm-hmm. you can't recreate that scenario, you know, the pressure and the no. and the atmosphere and the weight of expectation. You, it doesn't matter how good you are on, in, the tr- in the training grounds on pens. It's got to be the players who basically, you know, who want that pen, really want that penalty, and them kids might have wanted it and said, "Oh, I'm willing to take one or whatever." But I think you've got to, you've got to look to some of you, you know, your bigger personalities there. I think you know the likes of Harry Maguire stepped up, and I was thinking this could go anywhere. This, but what a sort pen that was! You know what I mean? Absolutely, Balls, yeah. yeah, because you know there's a defender stepping up. You can, you can smash it, and he was confident enough to go and do it. Um, and. And that's sort of what you need. I think it came out, hasn't it, that a lot of the you know the big bigger personalities in the squad were getting questioned. Why didn't you take one? Grealish came out didn't he and said I put my hands up I and said I wanted. to. One, yeah. but, but basically, it's also Southgate been leaked decided. apparently
0: the the um, the other takers, isn't it? Do you know who's going to be sixth? You've probably seen it. Pickford. Oh. Pickford <laughs> was the sixth penalty taker, and and to be fair, throughout the tournaments, obviously the players, the managers asked about penalty takers. Pickford was brought up consistently by the players, saying he's the best penalty taker in the squad. So, but but still, your goalie being sixth, nah. and I think Grealish yeah, was was going to be seventh or eighth or something like that. I think, and but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, again, I don't want to labour too much, and I, I do want to say, as an Evertonian, I was absolutely buzzing for Pickford. Yeah, had um, a great tournament, didn't he? You know, and and I've yeah, he has a great tournament. He obviously made two brilliant saves in the shootout. You know, he made a great save for their goal, uh, but you know, but obviously it's come off the post and they've scored. But. I wouldn't say I've defended Pickford, um, on this podcast because it's been hard to defend him at times. But I've certainly been on the other side of going look. Let's just calm it a bit. You know, he's yeah. not as bad as, you know, every every goal. particularly, you know, you've got to remember Pickford's still very very young for a goalkeeper. Like twenty five, twenty six. Mm. That's extremely young for a goalkeeper at this level. Um, he's obviously learned a lot of harsh lessons early in his career. Anyway, and and he still continues to do so. But you know. I've still said, um, that if you look at not only some of the areas in our squad, but some of the other squads in the Premier League, he's nowhere near, you know, one of the weakest goalies in the Premier League, and he's nowhere near the weakest league link in our team. And you know, thankfully, it seems as though with age, with maturity, with some very sensible decisions he's made, for example, spending the best part of twelve months with a psychologist and doing weekly work with them. He, he looks like he's matured as a person, um, and obviously that's that's then. Leading some more consistent performances, and I, I thought he had a brilliant tournament. I, I was really surprised, although you know, I suppose that's the way it goes when you don't win the tournament, that he wasn't in the team of the, the yeah, tournament. Yeah. Because I like Donnarum has been brilliant as well, but I don't think he's had to make as many telling saves and, and, and big saves as Pickford has. Mm. Um, but yeah, but buzzing for him, really, because I, I suppose looking, going, focusing on the, the players that we've had in the tournament, he. he he'll have played the most minutes and and his stock, I think, out of all the players will have risen the most. Yeah.
2: Um, you know, I, 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 I've i criticised Pickford in the past and, you know, it, it looked like his focus wasn't on football and stuff like that. He, he liked, you know, there's been instances where he's got, you know, being caught on camera. But, to, yeah. yeah, just, you know, a bit laddish and sort of, yeah. you know, need, need to screw his head down and be a bit more professional and, you know, I think he, he, t- he copped a lot of flack and a lot of attention, didn't he, at, earlier on the season with everything with the derby and all that sort of stuff. So, as you say, to sort of come through all that, you know, really being under the microscope and, and, and basically, you know, go into that tournament there as England's number one and, and, and to basically stand up and be counted in the way that he did. He does deserve a lot of credit, you know. I hope that he doesn't continue it into the season and he <laughs> absolutely falls apart. And There's, there's no guarantee that wouldn't won't that happen with him. But, you, yeah. but, um, but no, I, you know, I think you're right. I, I, I think for, you know, credit where it's due, he he, 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 he did, you know, have a, have a great tournament and he looked very assured and and, you know, them defenders were were pleased to have him behind them, um, so I, I I think it's fair. He, he probably was one of the players of the tournament. Too. I think
0: some of the players as well, and, and obviously this is relevant because when we're talking about the England players in the main, they are Premier League players as well, mm-hmm. and therefore, once that tournament's gone, um, you know whether whether you're never Tony or whether you were supporting England or not supporting England, the, the rivals again. Luke Shaw's had an unbelievable yeah, tournament. Absolutely. He had a great season. And I can't say like I wasn't impressed by him this season, because I was, but I was still in the back of my mind thinking, he's had he's had three or four week seasons going into it, so is it just like a bit of it? but he looked the real deal in that tournament. And, you know, the thing for me, because, you know, you look at Andy Robinson for use and you look at Chilwell to a certain extent, and... And you look at other left backs and it's their it's their outstanding athleticism and, and, and the, the energy energies here up and down. He's obviously a big lad, isn't he? Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and he's always had that chunky profile. It's his intelligence for me. Yeah. Like his timing of his runs was impeccable and the delivery and the accuracy on on his crossing was, was phenomenal. But
2: the time of his run, you could see on the goal that England scored against Italy, yeah. you know, the way he, he won the just ball. Cruises and cruises the, in there, not Yeah, he it? just held and held and held. And then it was like, right, I'm going now. And he, he, as you say, it was time to perfection. But I think he's another one, you know, he, he deserves a lot of credit. You know, he had a great tournament and he, he did have a better season this season. But he's another one who's, you know, his is professionalism and his sort of, you know, mm. almost... You know, have you got the guts to be a big player? As yeah. being called into question by his manager, you know, in mm-hmm. the past when he was under Mourinho and stuff like that. So, to come through all of that, you know, and 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 basically, you know, have a better season at Manu and then do what he's done there for England in the tournament. You know, he plays for Man U and you know, there'll be no love lost there. You know, in terms of me as a Liverpool fan, and, and, and but in in some way, you've got to give. You know, credit. You've got to sort of separate and and just think. Right. You know, in terms of take the club thing away you've got to give him a pat on the back for, you know, Mm. how he's came through that, that sort of adversity, haven't you? And I think that's something that's happened with that England team. I think that's why so many people sort of dig in and, and, you know, and got swept up by it as well. It's it's not like England teams of old where it's all superstar players. It seems like players who are a little bit more sort of, um, you know, less in the public eye, less celebrity sort of players and a bit more, not necessarily they've all got their own problems that they've had to get through and stuff. Yeah, it just feels a little bit more like, you know, not it's the wrong term. This because it sounds a bit a bit hard, but a bit more workhorsey type players mm. who have sort of like made you know made the best of a situation yeah. and and they've came together as a team and I think if you you know there's obviously serious talent in there as well, but. None of them players are the are, are the ones who you'd say are superstar Premier League players. You yeah, know, you look at Calvin besides,
0: Phillips, yeah, Calvin, Calvin Phillips and and Rice being perfect examples. Yeah, they?
2: exactly. You know, there's there's one or two. Henderson's obviously captain mm. of Liverpool, and and you know he he's not a he's not a superstar celebrity type player because
0: he's not you that type of player. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, wouldn't enter anyone's one. top hundreds. Fullbacks. No. Never
2: mind, so hundred players. And this is it, you know, I think that that's I suppose Harry Kane is is, but again, he's not that type of player like the players no. of old you know, the ex Liverpool, ex Manu, sort of chel ex Chelsea players who were always in the public eye, yeah. always like you know, like a Gerard, Lampard, Terry and all oh, that, no, yeah. Ferdinand. It's
0: Grealish was probably the one uh, where anyway, you think he was a fist as in with that group of yeah, like- yeah. Yeah, he, you know, he was a, he was a proper. He has a superstar profile to him, and he was carrying himself that way. and He was having himself, he dropped, but yeah. he even seemed to adjust his personality whilst he was playing for the to be a bit more humble yeah. and. Yeah, and, um, and I think that that that's being
2: part of it. You know, that that's part of probably why people could get on board and, and associate a little bit more than maybe mm. the otherwise would have done. Um, because I think you know, it certainly has been more people than I expected. We're all of a sudden like sort of you know big time behind England. When, when I was like I, I wouldn't have expected that you know mm. like because conversations in the past where people have sort of been a bit turned off by international football. So
0: like, I I agree though it's like, and and I, and I didn't mention it before. That's probably why I was a little bit more behind them. I genuinely liked the team. Yeah, I, I, you know you looked at the way the there was the press done a good job as well. To be fair, they haven't done in the past, and they've they've really. Made tournaments difficult for England. They, whether this is the FA doing this or whether it's the, a combination, they spent a lot of time with the players, mm. and there was a lot of like, there was a lot of coverage coming out of what they were doing behind the scenes, like they're playing darts and, and they're playing darts with like the press and yeah. they're playing snooker and and it was showing them doing all zaft stuff and and like they, they must have been an interview with every single player at some point, and I think that does help to get the the public behind them, and I, I know the. Certainly in the eighties that was more prevalent that they used to spend they used to have three or four members of the press that'd be drinking with the players and all that mm. and that'd get the nation behind them. So whether that was something that purposely Southgate or the FA had done or whether it was a bit of a combination, but it did help to kind of to, to kind of get that momentum.
2: Yeah, absolutely. A bit more of a wholesome image about the squad, I suppose, and you know, a bit more accessible to the average person as opposed to uh, as we said, you know, the the major names, the mega names who basically maybe a little bit more insular and a it's bit more the, short time. It was time.
0: all the wags, weren't it? Ten, 10, 15 years ago yeah, exactly, that, that caused the animosity of going, well, you know, you're just spending millions and all that, well, we're spending millions going to watch it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, again, I think the the question on, on Luke Shaw and stuff is, I suppose, I think, you know, performances like that and, and tournaments like that for the likes of him, the likes of Maguire, they've obviously, just, United have just signed, signed Sancho. United are starting to quietly build a bit of a squad there, aren't they? You yeah. Know, you, Again, that, that spine starting to appear. You've got Fernandes, who, who you know, has a, a poor end to the season and probably didn't have a great tournament, but he's shown early in the season what he's kind to offer. Yeah. Pogba, we've seen the best and the worst of him in that tournament. Unbelievable performances, great goals, but then, you know, when the when the going got tough, he, he didn't really want to know either. But I, th- I think for me, you look at that United squad now, Cavani signed another deal. They, they do look like they've got something probably to offer to that title race.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I think. Going into this season, that that will be a lively contender. You know, they sort of ground, you know, results out last year, didn't they? And probably overachieved relative to what I thought their squad was expected, capable yeah. of, to be honest. But you know, you're right. I, I think if you look around it now, they're starting to add, you know, a bit more talent. And you know, in in terms of maybe not a full deep squad of of, of real, you know, world class players, but there's there's one or two in there. You know, that at the first eleven starting to look a lot stronger and stuff. And especially
0: when you got Fred, who's who's, I mean. Been criticised for a few years, but you know, last the last season, Solsha seemed to get something out of him. He mm. starts to look a player. He's suddenly first choice of Brazil. So he sh- yep. you know, you don't you don't get to that position and get ahead of the likes of Fabinho without, you know, having something about you again. Yeah, well, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting point. I think you know United will be ch- will will
2: be you know a serious threat this year. But you know the point you just made there—that's another tournament that was ongoing, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. The Copa America, and you know we have Liverpool had more rep- representation in that than they did probably in 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 you know yeah, the Euros seen, to be you honest um but you, you know fred did start you know a, a lot more well he basically started pretty much all the games didn't he and you know as you say to keep a player the likes of fabinho's caliber who we've i think rightly pegged as probably one of the best defensive midfielders in world football yeah. certainly you know to to keep him on the bench you know he must be doing something right and it was an interesting one that for me you know in, in seeing that he didn't actually get really any game time for Fabinho did you I mean I, I can't yeah. say I watched you know loads and loads of the yeah, goal I, I think there's a,
0: a, st- a stylistic stylistic element to mm. it you know the, the way the type of player they wanted in there they were looking for someone more to to kind of you know a, every team with the exception of Argentina plays a low block against Brazil and were like go on try and break us down so Fred likes to dribble doesn't he yeah, yeah can, they can get in, in, yeah. in between the lines like that Fabinho is one of them. Where he'll take a big touch out of his feet and take players out the game with his with his like dynamism only. So I think there was an element of that to it. Mm. In, in fairness, um, but no, he, he was very good. And I, again, I can't really say much about Firmino because the one game that I didn't watch, which was the last group game, which was a dead rubber. He, he played in that one, and mm. it was like they, they were they, they were, they were already well through yeah, anyway because yeah. the way that the the tournament set out, but. Um, Elsewhere, you know, Richarlison are a really strong tournament. I mean, he's he's been playing well for Brazil for quite some time, and you know, who knows what this this summer is gonna gonna um what what this summer is gonna present in 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 the way of whether he's gonna go elsewhere. I don't think at this stage it's gonna be a move for. Him. I think there's I don't think there's enough money circulating in the market for someone to come up with the type of money we'd want for him. Mm.
2: Um, and Not still been... chatting 200 million I got. No, that was, <laughs> again,
0: I didn't say 200 million. I had 200 million left and I just went, oh, that's Richarlison. But the, the, the bet that I'd have with lads is when he eventually goes, we'll get 115 million for him. We won't get 115 million in this window. Yeah. And I think the club would want at least 100 million and no one's paying that. Yeah. Um, apparently, Ancelotti's contacted him uh, while he was while he was out in. In in Brazil. Brazil. It was in Brazil, weren't it? Well where he was out in the co- Copa America. Um and you know that there's been some behind the behind closed doors discussion. But again, I can't I can't see anyone coming up with the money in this mm. window. But he's had another good tournament. It is I think it's very much I feel like I've said this the last two seasons now, but it's definitely the case this season where one way or the other something's happening next next season. Either we need to make a breakthrough or he's leaving. Um mm. and when I say a breakthrough, it'd probably have to be like Champions League football which is a big ask um, so I, I expect him to probably move on next summer mm. um, but yeah he has a, he, he has a good, good enough tournament Firmino was in and out which I think is again tends to be the case with Brazil they've, they've got a lot of forwards haven't they I think Richarlison plays more games because he's able to play off the flank or, yeah, yeah. or in the centre whereas Firmino pretty much has to play central doesn't he and you've yeah, got, and Neymar you got Neymar, Neymar. there yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they've got a couple of centre forwards as well that they, they like to rotate yeah. um, Allison didn't get much game time
2: um you know, on the bench for well on the bench of the fan. It's one of them, the it's it's, it's what you like, isn't keepers, it? The they?
0: two top keepers, aren't they? And 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 depending on whether you want, you know, again it's the same thing. I think Edison, I would argue, is slightly better with his feet than Allison. I don't think he's a I think all rounds Allison with his handling that is probably better than Edison, but with his feet, I think Edison's probably a stronger keeper and that's what they've gone for there. Yeah. For the reason that they're they gonna have to try and look at as many different ways to break teams down. Um but it was it was a good, it was a good final, um, and I, I think I was you know I was probably made up for Messi because there's one player who deserves to win an international honour. That's him. Uh, yeah, it's him. He's done much to... more for football. Yeah, and uh, you know it's not it's not the big honour that he was once as I World Cup, and I, you know I'm fairly certain he's going to hang on and try and give it one last go next year. Why wouldn't he? Um, but it was good to see him win something because I think there's two penalty shootouts where he's missed the decisive pen in <laughs> yeah. the final. Which is just, just not like him, is he? You know, he's normally a man for the big occasion. But maybe. he is. But then again, you go back to that the, the point I made before about players who, who just seem to flop You know, flop a penalty shootout. He's missed, I think he, his, his, his conversion rate 50% off pens, which for one of the best players of all time is just remarkable. Yeah, but Marazona was never great at pens either. It's yeah, like, yeah. it just baffles me. I yeah, mean, it's odd, doesn't it? Like like you, I was I was not I was not much of a player compared to the people we're talking about here, but I still fancy myself from a penalty shootout in, in, in any in any situation. Yeah, not sure about you, like, but yeah, well, I only mean, <laughs> took
2: one penalty. I think I missed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have
0: to tell the story. So it was. Um, it was the penalty you were the I, one before me actually and was, I remember yeah. you
2: with a proper scuffler mine was a better pen when in the corner the keeper the saved mine mine was a boss pen yours no was yours was not scuffler. a boss I'd pen bounced over him.
0: So, uh, and again anyone's <laughs> listening and I've got several people who back me up you obviously get to pens and it's like who wants to take one and uh, and and I think it was a combination of me wanting to take one and people selected me anyway and then said he's like I'll take one yeah. and, uh, by the way Teddy was a fullback um, and he was a right Right footed left back now, he comes over with his left foot as well. I might add, but so you know, if there's one player in the squad that people are not probably saying <laughs> he'll take a pen, it's Teddy. But Teddy's like, I'll take one. Everyone looks at him as if to say, Are you messing? and he's like, No, I'll take one. I'll take one. Sounds I'm, I'm, no problem. Me, yeah, I'll take one. Absolutely, I've never seen a more confident, arrogant walk up to the penalty spot <laughs> that was maxed with one of the weakest penalties. It, wasn't a pen. it was bla- it, it was, wasn't, it was one of them. You know, you see with the inside of your foot, and it's kind of dead. Like he's tried to like open his body up and put it into the the corner, tight, that... tight into the corner. It didn't quite go tight in the corner. The keeper it got down tight. to it. It was a, it was a nice height for the keeper. Yeah, it was a soft one. But, but anyway,
2: Georgie was the one before, and just to be clear, he did score. But you know, he he tried to drill his, but bro- it sort of bounced off the floor and sort of bounced over the keeper. It was a bit of a scuffler, if we're being honest. But it got in. It, it, it got, got there.
0: It's what matters. But. Anyway. But, but anyway, yeah, I I just think it's it's bizarre really, that you get players at that, that level of that quality that, that Well, me and Messi. We're just not meant for the, <laughs> meant for the pens, are we? <laughs> okay, so so moving on to, to domestic matters and, and what we've got to talk about about the respective teams. Um it was his first press conference today, which which I, I was looking forward to before to be fair, and I did watch it. It was twenty minutes long. He he was he was pretty impressive. Um I mean, as you'd expect a manager of his experience to be. Uh, the most significant, I suppose, points from the press conference were the, the confirmation of of the new staff coming in, which which we was no surprise really. So, Francisco to Miguel Moreno, better known as Paco, has been his long standing assistant has been confirmed as assistant manager alongside Duncan Ferguson. He's just he's got to be there. <laughs> we'll come on to that in a moment. Um. And and then you've got Antonio Gomez. who I was I was really pleased to hear was um was appointed as first team coach and senior analyst. He's very much um very in touch with the the, the technological side of the game and the application of that to to tactics and and to to um to work on the training ground. So it's good to see a, such a, a pioneer from the a, a analysis side of it coming in on 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 the coaching side. So two you know fairly standard um. Appointments, but ones that, that we were we were looking looking out for because you know it would have been very strange if, if Paco wouldn't have been his number two. I think he's he's been his number two everywhere he's went. Um, I'm not sure he was a yeah he was Italian. I was seeing if he, he was Italian, but yeah he's been his his um, assistant manager everywhere really. Um, so yeah, good to see that. He, he was asked about um, about Thomas Rodriguez, which which again we were expecting to come off in the press. Very. Um, pretty much dodged that question just saying that look people are going to ask about individuals I'm not going to talk about them I'm just going to you know talk about the group at this stage because there's a a lot of players who are not involved yet I think it's I think it's fair to say from both Hammers Rodriguez's public um, comments and and, and that of you know his relationship his strong relationship with Ancelotti that he probably won't be around whether he goes to Real Madrid or whether he goes elsewhere like AC Milan's been rumoured I'm not sure, but I'd be very surprised if we we seen him first game of the season.
2: Yeah, for me, and and I think, you know, I said that on the podcast, you know, the way he left Everton, sort of, to go to Columbia early before the season finished, when there was still a game to play, you know, when you, for me it was just a bit like, this is maybe a player who's not really, his heart's not really in it, you know, and as you say, I I think Ancelotti was the draw there for for him, Um, and I don't know. As much as he had a good season for you, and, and obviously you really enjoyed watching him and stuff like that, because you know when he when he was on on it, he was he's a top player, isn't he? You know, certainly did light up the prem certainly at the start of the season. Anyway, he was, he was brilliant for the first couple of months, but I just can't see it. I just don't think it looks like a natural fit. I don't think he's a natural type of Benitez player either. No. You know, he's 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 very much a luxury player. I think James Rodriguez and Benitez wants he you know he wants players who are almost crafters. He doesn't really he's not the type of player, uh, type of manager who wants individuals, you know, individual mm. brilliance in, in terms of like
0: the he, unit's more important to him, is absolutely it? And and, and the he system, wouldn't yeah. sacrifice that unit, no. you know, for, for for a player like him, I don't think. No, no, I agree with that. It's disappointing for the reason you just said then. Um I think as a fan you, you would have wanted to to be able to see him week in, week out for a, for at least the season. We haven't been able to do that. And and you know, he, he would have been a a player, I think that that was a lit up Goodison, you know, particularly in in, in the games when, you know, he was able to score and, and and bring out that magic. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, another another clue that was given away and and going back to the individual side, cool. He was asked about Kula and there was there was a smile slash grin, and again, he just reiterated what he'd said before, um, about not wanting to mention individuals, particularly those that are that are contracted with other clubs at the moment. Kula is is one that does seem to have a bit more weight about it he, he's publicly come out and said look I owe a lot of, I owe a lot to Raphael Benitez for bringing me to Napoli he made me into a better defender and I'd like to work with him again at some point in the future so that that one seems like it's, it's, it's possible um, obviously a, it'd be a very good sign. And yeah it it it, 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 it was have to mean and it, I think this might be something that, that may be potentially holding up any kind of formal deal it would have to mean someone leaving first I think hmm. Even if it was on like a kind of loan basis, I think Yeri Mina looks like the most likely. We didn't really speak to him, speak about him in relation to the Copa America. He, he he obviously felt it was uh, left a little bit embarrassed after that uh, Argentina shootout, mm-hmm. doing a little bit of a dance and then and then missing his pen. Yeah, but that's Yeri Mina for you. Um, I I mean, mixed emotions there. I'd be incredibly happy if we were to sign someone like Koulibaly, but but I, I do like Yerimina and he's someone who's grown in stature and, and his performances have improved in his time at Everton, but I think he's one of the more disposable players and, and someone who could, who could still command a decent figure because he's young, again captain of his country, some something of a leader slash personality um, but yeah, very exciting one and, and we'll have to keep an eye on that one that, that seems to be all but done um, and very close to that is, is Denzel Dunfries from from PSV, which I think would be a tremendous sign. And again, one of the players in the Euros that I, I was impressed with. One of the players I was looking out for because it was strongly rumoured that we you know, Liquid. we were gonna make an offer before the Euros to try and avoid the scramble. Um it seems to have cleared up a little bit instead of backed off their interest and they were the they were the the, the leaders for the signature after the Euros finished. But it looks like that's they've they've cooled their interest, so it looks like that that's very close. And you know the right back position is something for two or three years that we've needed to try and address, um, yep. because you know Seamus Coleman's not getting any younger. Um, he's still, I think, he's still got a role to play in the squad, but you know he's not the marauding fo- full back that he was. That he used to be. Yeah, I don't think he's got that capability from a, from an attacking point of view anymore. And from what we've f- seen from Denzel free p- you know, coupled with the fact that Benitez has shown at Newcastle. Um, and also at liverpool that he that he likes the option to drop to a, to to go to a back three and his full backs need to be able to adopt that 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 wing back uh, role if they need to i think that that looks like it's close uh not nothing else really to know from the press conference he, again it was quite upbeat positive uh, you know I, i've said in the last podcast that i think the first few signings he makes are going to be very important to try and take a little bit of that pressure off and, and probably put a little bit more of the emphasis on the players again moise kean uh, another one that's worth worth noting he's obviously he's he wants away now Um, you know he's had a good good season at PSG the issue is they don't want to play they don't want to pay the, the price to, to mm. buy him and says it's made it clear that he doesn't want to loan him he's either keeping him or he's selling Not him, selling him. Which, which I think is the right stance but it's I said to the lads the Evan lads I've got a feeling it's going to be one of them where we end up letting him go and transfer to Atlanta eh, yeah. just to get the wages off the, the books yeah. um, yeah. but you know we'll keep an eye on that but yeah I, I think that I think over the next couple of weeks like like Liverpool I guess that the you know once the wheel starts in and I think you know we might see a few players leave and a few players come in in the center back positions we look to be a little bit too you know um too well stocked there should mm. I say um you know we've got Keane we've got Godfrey we've got Mina, we've got Holgate I would expect me to see Mina leave if if Koulibaly come in um if not it would be Holgate I think Godfrey's obviously still got still very young and he's had a very good season and he's versatile as well. Yeah, yeah. Somebody who can, who can play a fullback if needs be. Um, but yeah, from from the Everton side, that that's it really. Um, From Liverpool's perspective, Teddy, obviously out out in Austria at the moment.
2: Yeah, so obviously the club have, you know, pre-season's been a bit of a mess, hasn't it, in terms of planning what they've been able to do and stuff. Obviously, normally they do tours and all that sort of thing, but they've gone to um, a training camp in Austria, um, and basically, from what I understand, they're staying there until the week before the season. So I think it's a four-week sort of thing, which is unusual. You know, I think they'd normally get back to, or or at least spend some time, you know, in Kirby, in, in terms of like training, you know, on 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 their own facilities, but they're basically spending the entire break um over in Austria and only coming back, as I say, the week before the season starts. In terms of like games that they've got lined up, we've got two thirty minute mini games, which is a bit odd. And um, behind closed doors games on on Tuesday, which are one against FC Wacker Innsbruck. Um and then one against. Uh, I'm sure you
0: played them last year.
2: Maybe yeah.
0: That's where I think that must be where your camp's based, then you always just give them a little game in in exchange for using their facilities. Maybe, or yeah. thirty minute games. though was just yeah. a
2: bit of a strange one, but then they do. They have actually arranged two, you know, full ninety minute friendlies against Mainz and uh, the Berlin. Um, so ones on the Friday the 20th, uh, 23rd of July and ones on. Yeah, the Hearth game is on Thursday, July the 29th. Games, um, to
0: the, games for the boys, from Clap there. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, I mean, it, it, it you know, it, it's weird, I suppose, in that at this camp, they've, it's a very strong squad that's there. You know, it, I think traditionally what gen- generally sort of happens is because the better players involved in internationals and stuff like that, it's like they end up a lot of the time coming later on, you know, when you, you play loads of, like, kids and stuff in the early pre-season games. But they're not really going to have that, you know that this year because, you know, Van Dijk's come back from injuries, back available. Lovely to see him back in training. You know what I mean? I think that give all oh, Reds a big lift when you can see him he's training. Kanate's there with the squad. You know, he's joined up really early, so he's gonna have a good four weeks, you know, in, in terms of getting to know his, his teammates and stuff, which is good to see. Gomez back, you know, Salah's there. So a lot of players there um who who basically, you know, maybe wouldn't normally be there this early in, in a in a preseason camp and, you know, it, hopefully that means, you know, Klopp's got you know, a good long period to work with all them players. Um, not sure when Henderson joins up the squad. He didn't obviously play a lot for England, but he would probably get a little bit longer than than some of the I other players. I
0: think it's um, are. I think it's a week on Monday that all of the the players from the respective national yeah, teams join up. Back.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he he shouldn't be too fatigued, I suppose, or tired in terms of, you know, he's had a real arduous tournament or anything like that. He hasn't, but obviously he was coming back off an injury anyway um, when, when he joined up with England. So, you know, it'd be good to get him back. Um, and, and and obviously it, it it's exciting, I suppose, from a Liverpool perspective because we spent so long missing players last year that just seeing all the squads, you know, and loads of them big players that we would normally say are a are dead set on our first team at all you know, touch woods gonna be
0: available and Do the other one as well. You have mentioned is Joe Matap as well. He, he was another one that Klopp Yeah. Kind of um, went out of his way to, to to commend and say, look, he looks in great shape and obviously he's a bit of an enigma, isn't he? You know, he's never even though he's in great shape, that, that doesn't take long to change, does it?
2: No, he, he might he'll be in great shape now and then he'll play one of them thirty minute minigames <laughs> and that's him finished for the for a few weeks. And that seems to be the way with Matap, you know don't want to curse him or anything, but he he doesn't seem like his his body can play more than a game or two. You know, he he surprised us not this season but the season before last where when he was needed, he, he managed to put, play almost a, a half a season, you know, consistently um and, and, and to a really high level. So we you know, if you could get him back fit and stuff, you know, we look you are saying you look, you know, a bit top heavy in centre back positions. We've got Van Dyke, Gomez, Kanate, Matip coming back, you know, yeah, wonder what happens with Phillips. But you know, there's 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 a lot of centre backs there, in, in terms of you know who we've got, we've got Davis. We've still haven't sold him, so who knows what what's happening with him? Um, so there's a lot of centre backs there, and I do think you know there'll be some movements. Um, I, I don't think you sign a player of you know Canate's potential or 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 reputation, um, and and, and not play him. So I think it, it's going to be in Dijk and Gomez as, as basically the top three. Um, and then the likes of Matt Phillips, Davis, whoever else is there are going to be fighting out for one position, so I can definitely see some some of them going. You know, yeah, there'll probably so, be yeah. at least one, if not two. I think will will be shipped. More likely to be sure, Davis or finally and this
0: summer, Harry Wilson's going to go on a permanent deal somewhere. Y- yeah, he's like expect so, but loan ever, it?
2: yeah, but uh, you know, I think I think the way that Edwards works, he, he wants to extract full value, and I don't. That's probably not the time, is it? Yeah, and and that's the you know it might be another a, a case where we might not be able to. It, it depends how, how, how much Liverpool relent on the transfer fees. Um, Marco Grudic is another one. You know, mm-hmm. he's had four loans since we signed him at yeah. Liverpool. Um I think Porto were really interested in signing them on a permanent deal, but the at the again. moment it's the fee. Door, I think we want fifteen million and they've offered ten or something mm. like that. Um and that's the thing, it's it, it's one of them, isn't it? It's like sometimes like a deal unlocks a load of other deals because yeah, it's like, it. well, we've spent now, we need what we can get in or we want to get that in before we, we spend, you know, because if clubs know we've got money, then they'll, so it's it's a little bit of a game of chess, isn't it? And, and you know, who, who makes the first move and sorts of stuff. But there's a lot of players, I think, in our squad who, who who we might see the back of and I think we will see a lot of movement over the next few weeks. You know, I, I can't I can't see how we go into the season well another, pl- well, another position, actually, this it brings me on to it nicely, is midfield. You know, we've seen Alden leave, and we're getting linked with our host, the midfielders. Mm. You know, Saul so Niguez from Atletico Madrid is, It seems like a very, very hot one. Uh, but Barcelona are apparently interested in thinking of sending Griezmann <laughs> the other way. How
0: oh, are well, they going to send? Oh, yeah, Griezmann. Because Griezmann's wages like, are insane on not they? at Barca, so, so it's almost it. like
2: they, they send them that way. It's innit? a problem, isn't it, that mm. they can... Mate, so we you know it it it's one of them, but by all accounts we bid thirty four million, they won forty two million. Um and it's so they've knocked it. Box, it. So we'll see what happens on that one. He's one that we've been linked with we've been linked with e um quite heavily as well. We've been linked with right, Renato Sanchez. Yeah. So he's who's a bit of an you know an intriguing one really because he's still only like twenty two or something. He feels like he's been around forever. Um but you know when he broke onto the scene and, uh, for Benfica and Porto in, in, in I think it was in the Euros and he it was he, no
0: it was, a, it was, was the, a the under twenty ones he was like play the tournament and the under twenty ones but then he featured in one of the
2: main one of the main tournaments and he he was he, he got like the the young player of the tournament um can't think which one it was I'm sure it was the Euros but I'm
0: sure it was the twenty ones you know no oh, well I don't know it might have been but he you know he looked.
2: Absolutely <laughs> brilliant, and then Bayern Munich came in for him. who at the time, was, you know, one of the best teams in in, in the world. Out. Well, they still are, yeah. But you know what I mean. That was when they were like yeah, absolutely, you know, a super, super, super side. Um, and unfortunately, his his career sort of fell off a cliff, and he ended up, you know, he's gone to Swansea and stuff. He he's just done a season there at Lille and you know, by all accounts, had a good season, and and now we're looking at him, and it's one of them. I think if you can get him playing to his level, he's a serious talent, mm-hmm. but he just seems so hit and miss, and. I don't know. It's one of them. It's it's a bit of a worrying one. You know, when you link with them types of players, it's like, oh, what way? what what, land, what yeah, lands? What ends up happening? It, yeah. You know, like it could be it could be a, a boss one, but it could be a real sort of damn squib. So, but we are linked with loads of midfielders, and and you know, it's a is it a case of there's no smoke without fire, sort of thing. But if that if we are looking at centre mids, we've got to surely get rid of some because you know if you look at our midfield, we've got Henderson, Fabinho Thiago probably ends up going to sign one by by all accounts, you know, as, as like the main ones. Then you've got Kater, Oxlade Chamberlain is there, Curtis Jones is there. There's, we must have about eight or nine midfielders, mm-hmm. you know, like in, in centre mid, too. And it's like they don't, it just doesn't compute into three positions. So, mm. uh, you know, I, I'm expecting a lot of movements. You know, there's still players like Shakiri and stuff like that who. The peripheral players Minimino what's going to happen with him A Rigi. yeah there's, there's loads of players that you're yeah, sort of thinking like is it going to be the when, summer where we when's get short gonna, of these yeah,
0: when, when's, when's this going to all start happening yeah. I, know I, I think most clubs were waiting until the conclusion of those tournaments because the last thing you want is you know, for you to sell two or three players and then suddenly your players come back and, and they're all injured Either you know, that
2: or basically you would agree a deal and then they have a, 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 a you know, yeah. world-class tournament and you sort of think, oh, probably because I've got another 10 mil on or, yeah, you know, or, yeah. so or whatever. There's,
0: there's definitely a lot of that going on. It, you, again, you, I think you'd assume that a lot of deals are almost done in the background and it's just waiting for one move to go to trigger the other three yeah, or four, yeah. go, go yeah. both ways. But you know, that, that's when it starts to get exciting the summer, isn't it? Yeah, you know, when exactly. there hasn't been no movements, so And obviously we've still still done the best part of 40 odd minutes without without talking about actual deals, but I think that's definitely when the summer starts getting exciting, when you can see a new squad taking shape, and I mean, you just mentioned a lot of the midfielders, I still look at your forward line and think, you know, coming out of last season, was that not one of the areas where you think we need something fresh there? You know, that front three obviously have done incredible for you over the last three years, but it does starts f- starting to feel like it, there's a few cracks appearing and whether whether that needs freshening up. Yeah, it's a tough one really isn't it because I, I think
2: there's options to freshen it up and you could pro- pro- pos it depends whether he's going to persist with that 4-3-3 you mm. know what I mean or whether we will go to like a more 4-2-3-1 sort of yeah. formation or or that ability to to you know to change it which we haven't traditionally done, we've sorta of said no four three threes us and, you know, make the opposition play against our way of playing. Um, but I think that hit the skids a bit last year and I don't think it would have gone unnoticed, you know, by by Klopp and, and the analytical team that you know, the way teams set up to nullify us, um, and, and shut the full backs down and then all of a sudden, you know, we we really snook it up front and I think that, you know, with the likes of Jota with Firmino, with Amane and Salah, you can certainly do a four-two-three-one. You know, the, the and, other and thing is as well, seven.
0: I'm not saying the Klopp will be taken as as um, taking lessons from Southgate necessarily, but you look at the way that England played that three-four-three three with the wing backs. I, you know, you've got Robertson and Trent, and then you give that that kind of. Front three the license that's what Klopp likes to do isn't it giving of those front three the license to go but yeah. your width coming more from your wing back which which you kind of don't with your backs anyway yeah yeah we have yeah it, you know but that forward dropping in it, it's 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 probably a system that again you will feel that actually because I go with me wing backs being being the more even more advanced and and I'm playing but th- actually playing three centre backs. Mm. Um, which yeah. which you'll be more than able to do with the players you brought in.
2: Yeah, possibly. I I do think we, I do think we will be a little bit more pragmatic this year. I think we will see Klopp chop and change the formation a little bit. And I I do feel like four two three one is the one that we will revert to. though, will be like, we, uh, you know, if we're not playing our, our normal four to three, three, just because you've got like a Fabinho and a Thiago
0: he wasn't oh, a four- being Owen Henderson. That just feels he was like in a, nice a three, two. four three though. Had, well, yeah, true. Because yeah. you have your two wing back, and you still have your two in that system. Obviously, England played Phillips and yeah, yeah. and um, Rice, yeah. which are the two type of players you you know defensive, you know box to box type yeah. players. So, I think it would still suit those two players, isn't there? Mm. Um, it's just
2: it's just whether we do the, the you know the three at the back the side of things. I'm I'm just not sure. Klopp Klopp's done it. I think I've seen him do it twice. You know since he's ever been there. So I think he's just a bit more content with the four. But similar sort of idea, you know, and I think there's a chance we might actually play Salah through the middle a little bit more this year um, as opposed to off the right. um, And you may see like a either a, a Jota coming in off the left and a Mane switching back over onto the right-hand side like he was for Southampton. Mm. um, And then uh, Firmino, will he get used as more like a, you know, was like as like a bit like a 10 or what? I think there's options there. You know what you mean. Like, you know, the, the attack at the skids last year definitely did. But, I feel like with the play, you
0: don't think it's going to be a personal change, more of a system slash style. I think tweak, style, yeah. tweak, yeah,
2: yeah, I think so. Um, you know, you just you don't rip it up. You don't rip up such a good front line completely and start no, shipping I think players. i the way you finished
0: the season as well, it was was probably. You know, more encouraging for him, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I think if you if he's continued in the vein that you were in the middle of the season, yeah, then it I, I that, think, that I think it would be different. Have been more cause for concern, wouldn't it? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So we'll see what happens there, but I do think we you know we probably will see a bit more tactical tweak in in games and and, and four games than we have traditionally with Liverpool under clock.
0: Back to Everton briefly because I didn't mention before we had our first in house game. I think it was only at Finch Farm. It wasn't like really publicized much, and I think you spoke off air before about the fact that don't think clubs can really go over the top with publicising the friendly because they're not sure what the rules are going to be mm-hmm. in terms of spectators. But it was it was an in-house game at, at Finch five. I finished 3-0. It was uh, Tom Cannon, one of the youth players, was, was on the score sheet. Then we had uh, Lewis Gibson, who was a, a defender who was on loan last season, scored the second. Um, and then the third was scored by... Ooh, it was John it was John John um Felipe Gabaman who set it up. We're obviously a bit like yeah. matter well even more so than has been out for it for a long period of time. He set it up and it was Anthony Gordon who scored um coming in off the left again, another player who's been out on loan. It was it was very much the team that I suppose you were describing and that you you be seeing the first few friendlies, it was made up of pros that had not been on international duty, yeah, but a lot of under-23 players. Very pleasing to see that Gabamon's managed the weekend training without getting injured, <laughs> and, and has come through it, even a training game without getting injured. Yeah. So, fingers crossed for him. He's had terrible luck. It's mad because they're not... They're injured. He's, he's had, it's not like, oh, it's his knee again, it's his knee again. They've been proper, like, act, like bizarre mad accidents. Bombs. Like, the last one was, you know, he, he he went into a tackle and another player fell on top of him and he, like, Broke a bone or something yeah. mad like that. So, Proper
2: Fabio Aurelio ones. Yeah. Fabio Aurelio who like sort of snapped his Achilles playing footy in the garden with his yeah, kids like and careful stuff.
0: Or. Falling out of his loft and all that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, fingers crossed that he, that he manages to to stay fit. But we've got a um, we're going to the Florida Cup. It's called um, the end of July. I think that's obviously in eleven days' time. Um, it's Arsenal into Milan, Millionarios, M- Millionarios and and Everton. So thankfully. And I'm sure Everton has influence over this. We've got the the good size of the draw, the easy <laughs> size of the draw, which probably see us get beat 3 0 in the in the semi, but we've got us on the 26th, uh, the day before Arsenal play into and it's the final a few days later. So and that that's fo- that's then followed up by a trip to Old Trafford on the seventh of August, which I was saying is Weird the, the one, most though. bizarre preseason friendly I've ever seen. Like two Premier League teams playing at one of their stadiums. It's not like a we're playing in the, the season. in the Asia Cup or something, but yeah, yeah. a week before the season. And I, I've got a feeling there's like some kind of, it's like some kind of safety type um, preparation test as well. The protocols. T- yeah, testing protocols for, for, you know, getting getting fans back in and, and I suppose all the, the you know, preparing what it's going to be like in terms of the COVID passports, if that's what people are going to have to show. I'm not even going to go there with that conversation, but <laughs> it's, um, yeah, but, but really strange one though to play a Premier League rival and, a, and a, you know a, a lo- regional rival if you like that that, that close to the, to the start of the season
2: yeah it, it is a bit of an odd one Um, you know when you mentioned it before I was sort of like that, un- it is unusual you know what mm. I mean you just don't don't really see it that often do you as you say sometimes you do in, when it's like sponsor cups or whatever you know like in another abroad, country yeah you know, like like Arsenal you were saying Arsenal there and, yeah the Florida
0: Cup that is some kind of like you know it's a corporate event isn't
2: it? so close to the start of the season you know playing the mm. You know, uh, as you say, a Premier League rival, um, and, and a team who theoretically, well, two teams who will theoretically both be, you know, competing. You know, with. Uh, yeah, even being even places if you think stuff.
0: about it, like I know you were saying before, it's obviously the re- the rationale behind a lot of the friendlies is trying to reduce the risk of infection, if you will, in the camp. And suppose if you're just driving in a coach from Liverpool to Manchester, the players aren't having to stay anywhere else. The risk is minimal, but there's there must be about 30 clubs in the North West that you could have yeah, picked yeah. Like to play. a championship club. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, exactly, wherever, a than a Blackburn. You still know. a pretty
2: good standard yeah, you know, yeah. in terms of getting a workout. Um, but no, it's, it, it is a bit of an odd one there. Um, in fact, know.
0: is that because the championship starts that weekend? It probably does, doesn't oh, it? Does it? Might does might, might have meant that none of the league, we're other league clubs were available. Hmm, that possibly, means yeah. that it has to either be a Premier League club or a team from another league coming over. And again, that's... If it's a foreign team, it's it's again mm. a bit more risky, isn't it? But yeah, use it you,
2: you use it. like their sort of cast off club anyway, aren't you? Yeah, so, we so. Might, might get some players, like get some players from at the, the end th- of the window, give you a game, and you Alex can see what deal for uh, Luca Dean.
0: <laughs> Good deal. Um, but yeah, I think that's about all we, we need to have. And um, before we do go, before we do go, we have got one more of our summer episodes next week, and it's, for me, the best extra that we've done this summer, and that's me being biased. Um Andy Gray. So again, legends of, of the eighties uh, for Everton, you know, part of that Cup winners cup and, and league, league winning, uh, league winning side. Um fantastic podcast. Andy was very, very kind to, to share nearly two hours with us. Um he was actually he was actually in um isolation at the time, so we we, we managed to catch him at a time when he, he was doing a lot of I suppose media work from from the comfort of his hotel in Birmingham. So we had to <laughs> isolate thing for seven days. No, really good podcast. Uh, well worth listening to. He obviously talks a lot about, um, you know, his links with the Everton job when it, when he almost got the job after um, Walter Smith. No, Walter Smith. How uh, after Howard Kendall um, was, was appointed, or be, you know, before Howard Kendall was appointed, some great stories there and some ex- exclusives as well. Stories he hasn't told before, particularly about that period. Um, so yeah, definitely worth a listen. So that that'll be out next Monday. Um, and then we'll have our first pre-season episode the following week I think, I think that'll be the 26th our first or well, the 26th or 27th depending on availability but um, that'll be our first pre-season episode and we'll be very much focusing on the start of the season commencement of competitive football hopefully there'll be a few more ins and outs to discuss for the lads as well but thanks for uh, giving us your time thanks for listening any questions as always or, or any feedback please get in touch with us via the website or via social media and we'll catch you again soon